Watching America is a production of WHRV Public Media in Norfolk, Virginia. At the outset of this program, I feigned, faked being angry in a somewhat comical way to engage listeners. Uh, But the truth is, it's not always a comical matter, being angry. It can be a serious matter, particularly when one, for one reason or another, feels out of control. There's a kind of tyranny that comes along with that. Smart persons seek help. Smart people, brave people, will seek environments where they can benefit from others who have had like experiences. And that applies to my guest, Jenny. Jenny is a member of Emotions Anonymous. Now, this is an international fellowship of approximately 300 groups in the United States alone. And if you're counting, you can add an additional 300 around the world. It was established by Marion Flesh. And Marion Flesh was uh, herself subjected to high emotions. And she initially joined a, a, an organization called Neurotics Anonymous. But she found that that didn't meet all of the needs or the requirements for what she had in mind. And so she established her own work, which since then has obviously proven to be uh, quite, well, reproductive by having indeed 300 groups. Jenny, welcome to Watching America. Can you tell me what led you to join Emotions Anonymous? Um, I saw a newspaper article um, offering support groups in uh, this local area in Virginia Beach. And the way it was described was that it would be a support group system for those dealing with depression, anger, anxiety issues. And I've was actually quite intrigued by meeting others that are dealing with um, those issues. So I went to try and uh, see if it was for me, and I enjoyed it so much I stayed with it. Well, the key emotion that we're at least talking about on this program, Mm -hmm. uh, not to say that this is the only emotion that you feel, obviously you feel an entire array of emotions, Mm -hmm. but is anger. Um, Was anger a pronounced problem in your life? Yes. Um, Even at an early age, I was always told I had uh, a lot of temper issues. I was put into counseling at age eight um, for anger issues as well as other issues. Um, But I had noticed it really affected my life um, on a day-to-day basis with relationships, friendships, um, and later on even at work. I was subjected to a lot of bullying from in school. Um, I was uh, beaten upon. Um, also at home, I was um, hit often. And I believe, honestly, that anger from receiving that type of abuse um, led me to be more angry at the world and others and to project it onto on further in my life. So, so it was really modeled for you at home. And, and uh, you saw that as, as an outcome of all kinds of emotional disturb in the house, people would revert to anger. Correct. Okay. And so you'd carry that to the playground and into the classroom? Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah. very much so. <laughs> Any particular memories you have of one instance? Yes, even in uh, kindergarten. I remember uh, there was a jungle gym, two jungle gyms, at, uh, and there was the girls and the boys at recess, and I wanted to be on the boys' section because it looked more fun. And the boy said no, and I pushed him off the um, jungle gym, and I said, yes, I want, it's mine. And I was really angry, and um, I remember uh, the teacher said, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, and I remember I just, uh, in many ways, I always was, if I didn't get what I wanted, I was very angry and showed it. And then through junior high school and high school, was it still manifesting itself? Yes, uh, I think in different ways. 
I um, started self-harming. So the anger started um, being towards myself. Um, I would, if I was angry about something or at myself for not doing something correctly, I would uh, do that in the self-harming injury way. There was cutting, breaking uh, glass, mirrors. I have even broken uh, my own car windshield out of anger. I've broken sofas um, completely to splinters. Um, Basically rage. What is the... the ebb tide or the the end of these experiences when you have such rage is it tears Uh, it takes a good hour afterwards to calm down it's like adrenaline Um, it's almost like a rush a high like you feel like you're unstoppable and then all of a sudden you realize what you've done and I I just I realize that I I wish I could have controlled myself better, and I didn't do it. So, I, yeah, I, I would end up in tears. When you're in the midst of your anger journey, no matter what causes it, the actual um, experience of it, is is it like being drunk in a way? Are you just... It's blinding. It's a blind rage for me. So I would... Um, I would, it would escalate so fast. I could, it could just be like a triggering moment of someone saying the exact sentence my mother used to say to me when I was a child that would upset me back then. And then I would be triggered and I would just you know, basically go wild. Um, Are you conscious of what you're doing when you're breaking the, the, the sofa or settee or couch? Um, this was all before EA. So I would have to say at the time, no, I was not very well aware of any of my triggers. I wasn't aware of um, how to handle that emotion. I had never been taught correctly, even in therapy. They never really, they would let me express myself, but they wouldn't really teach me better coping skills, which is what I feel EA has done for me. When you establish new relationships, there's always the honeymoon period where, you know, we present our best selves. Mm -hmm. Was there a deep-rooted fear at all in you that the person would eventually see your temper? Yes. I tried to hide it as long as possible, as much as possible. I would, you know, learn to leave the room if I was upset so they wouldn't see it and try to calm down in the bathroom or hide. Is anger exhausting? Yes, very. And it's painful too. My entire body would tense up to the point where like the next day I was sore. Physically from muscle strains yes. and, and what have yes. you? Would you ever hurt yourself in the midst of a rage and mm-hmm. not realize you'd hurt yourself until later? Yes. 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 Yeah. Like when I punched uh, the wind- car windshield or the mirrors, I didn't realize till later that my hand had been bleeding for hours. Yeah. Why did you think you were angry? Did you, did you have a, a, a kind of a established reason for why you were angry? I always felt like... Um, for a long time that my life had been unfair and that so many bad things had happened to me and I didn't understand why. And I think the um, anger just built upon it. And later on, um, through EA, I learned how to um, cope with a lot of the new anger issues and then also how to deal with my past in order to better understand what I went through. We will get to your experience uh, after, mm-hmm. post um, being involved with the mm-hmm. Emotions Anonymous. But let's concentrate on the prior first. Okay. Were there ever instances when you were afraid that it would get you on the wrong side of the law, your anger? Yes. Did it? One time. Um, I was... Um 
with four police officers. They had been called when I was punching windows in a facility, uh, in, in a hospital actually, and uh, they were called and they were telling me to calm down. Um, and the reason I was punching the windows is because they wouldn't let me out of the facility. They had locked the doors and um, they said it was for my safety. And when the police officers were called, um, there was four of them and I kept punching the police officers because they were trying to calm me down and, you know, get, get me away from the windows and I wouldn't stop. And I, they told me that if I didn't stop, that they were going to have to take me to jail. And, um, I, I just, I finally handcuffed me and then I finally got me to calm down because they said I was making my uh, situation worse than it was, you know, needed to be. I don't want to presume, was it a mental health facility you were in? Yes. And had your anger been the cause for you going to it? Uh, one of them, yes, one one of them, yes. Before somebody goes to a 12-step program, which uh, Emotions Anonymous is, mm -hmm. they have to typically reach what people within the 12-step programs call rock bottom. Mm -hmm. For you, Jenny, what was rock bottom? It was that day with the four police officers at the mental health facility. Um, I was there for about a week. Um, they said it was mental exhaustion and uh, a lot of a combina combination of things where um, I was dealing with the other mental health issues as well. And I felt like all my rights had been taken away. Mm -hmm. I was in this facility for a week and was not allowed off the unit. I was, everyone else was allowed to go downstairs to the cafeteria, but I wasn't because of my self-harm issues. They were afraid I was going to hurt myself. Um, and I didn't want to have to experience that again. So I decided I had to research and do what I could do to not end up back in that situation. Before your experience with Emotions Anonymous, when you got angry, was there anybody in your life who had a particular, I don't want to use the word technique because that sounds manipulative, but an ability to help you to not be angry, somebody perhaps loving in your life, very loving? Mm, my father, when I was uh, very, very young, um, he passed away when I was eight years old, but he was very understanding and caring, and he would protect me from my mother whenever she tried to hit me or anything. He would always say, no, you can't do that, and I would try to remember um, what a positive person he was. Well, let's talk about your, your experience. So now you're in a, a mental care facility, mm -hmm. and actually, technically, you're quite right. You 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 were having uh liberty being pulled from you uh, mm -hmm. with good intentions we assume with prevent you from hurting yourself yes. but your rights were pulled away I mean you couldn't go out outside of the facility and you're banging on the glass and at a point of utter exhaustion mm -hmm. with four police officers mm -hmm. um, they take you to jail did they do that or no they, they, they said they would if I wouldn't stop hitting them or hurting them um, but I stopped finally, and uh, they just put me in a waiting room until they had a room ready for me. And I was um, TDO'd, temporary detainment order, for, mm -hmm. they said it was going to be 72 hours legally, but honestly, it was a holiday weekend. It was, I think, Memorial Day weekend, and so I ended up staying for a week. When you're there, and you're by yourself, uh, you're not fully by yourself because people are monitoring you, but what were the thoughts in your mind? What were you thinking? <laughs> How did I get here? Uh, why am I here? This cannot be happening. I kept concentrating on what I had to do to get out. 
So I went, attended all the groups that they uh, required of us to attend for therapy. I um, took the medication they recommended. Um, I, you know, I talked to the doctors and um, I did what I had to while I was in there. And then when I got out, I did more research on how to find out about healthy coping skills. So coping skills, uh, you found out predominantly by Emotions Anonymous mm-hmm. how, to, how to cope. What was your first experience? You went to your first meeting. You said you read in the newspaper mm-hmm. uh, about it. You mm-hmm. went. Tell me your fears before you actually arrived at the facility or reservations that you may have had. Okay. Um, well, it was actually held in a church, but I um, still was nervous uh, mm-hmm. because I didn't know who I was going to be meeting. Who I, I wasn't sure if I was really ready to open up to anyone at that time. Um, this was in 2011. And I remember just being so nervous and I got there super early because I wanted to be one of the first people there so I could see people come in and when I was there was only one person there the person who uh, usually sets up the meeting so um, I just sat down and the person was so friendly and so uh, like open welcoming I just uh, told him my entire story and what led me to the meltdown and breakdown and why I was there what did you think of the other people there um, as they slowly came in, I kind of wondered why, you know, what, what were what were their reasons for coming in? Because, um, you know, different people come in for different reasons. And uh, when we started sharing um, towards the end, I was very fascinated that I wasn't alone. Typically at 12-step programs, you have people who, who will go to a microphone or speak if a mic is needed. Sometimes a circle can be much smaller and a mic is not needed. Mm-hmm. What effect did that have on you to hear somebody else talk about their anger and feeling out of control? Their story was very enlightening and very um, emotional as well. And I, I was, I was amazed um, what they had been through and what, how they have overcome things themselves with the program. Did it produce hope? Yes, definitely. I've learned that hope can stand for hold on, pain ends. And that um, I try to remind myself every day. That's very good. Hold on. Pain ends hope. Well, you go to the first meeting and it concludes. Was it an evening meeting or a day meeting? It was evening. Okay. It was a Monday night. A Monday rem- night. I remember very clearly Monday, 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. And it concluded at what time? I believe it was 8.30. 8.30. You walk outside I buy a book first. Oh, you buy a book That's first. How okay. it, yeah. Which book did you buy? <laughs> I buy their Emotions Anonymous blue book, the big book. I was just so, when I was reading it, there was just so much information that I just wanted. wanted I heard there was um, half the book was on the 12 steps and the other half was life stories from different people. Mm-hmm. And those, those different people's stories really, I wanted to read all of those right away. And then you get home. Then what happens? You just fling open the book? <laughs> oh yeah right from the start I read all of the stories and then um, I was wondering how do I get through the 12 steps there's just I couldn't imagine being where other people were further along in their recovery um, like I was like I don't think I can do this this is so much um, information so much things to do I could never forgive those people who hurt me and it was so much information at the first time but um, I was definitely inspired how long was it before you went to the second meeting? Um, it was probably a month because I was still nervous about the other people. I didn't know them. I didn't know if they were going to be the same one, same people there because different people come to different meetings. 
So you were slightly afraid and apprehensive. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, you read the book and it encourages you. Mm -hmm. What's step one? Step one is admitting you're powerless over your emotions. And that's curious because most people would say, well, you know, you have your emotions and you are responsible for your emotions. But the fact is, step one is learning that you're powerless over your emotions. Mm -hmm. So what's step two? We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And uh, I, I guess many people would presume that's God, right? Or a higher power. Or a higher power. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, had you believed in a higher power before going to Emotions Anonymous? I was raised strictly Catholic until the age of 18. Uh, and then I felt more like a spiritual person. I wasn't as religious, didn't go to church uh, as much. And uh, what it was interesting is when I went to EA, I actually started reconnecting more with a higher power and getting more spiritual than before. And it reconnected me with a part of me that was missing, um, the faith part. And um, I liked how in the EA book it says um, the group itself, EA, the people there who are supporting you can be a higher power. And what was the third step? Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of a higher power as we understood him. Okay, so you're basically saying you're not in the control seat anymore. Is that it? Yes. Right? That step was difficult for me because I do not let go of control easily. Um, I want to be the one in control. So that was a step that I, it took me a while to learn to um, let just let it let be. <laughs> Yeah, to let to let go requires you to trust. Correct. And if your trust has been violated, it's it's a very brave step to attempt that and, and take some time. Now, why are you going through this? And we will go through the other the steps. But um, progressively, are things getting better in your life as you're working on each step, or is it a question of you know sometimes two step forwards, one back? So they had a journal of recovery book um, where you can work on your own personal custom story with the EA um, workbook. Mm -hmm. And I filled that out first because that seemed to be the easiest for me answering questions on and seeing how the EA literature can relate and help me in my life. And I went all the way to the basics from my childhood and everything, wrote all of it down and worked the steps as they they were suggest. And I think that really... Um, made the biggest impact for me. So let's get to step four. Mm -hmm. What's step four? Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Now that's an easy sentence just to say, mm -hmm. but it's very hard to do. Yes. Um, I would imagine that was one of the most difficult things because you really have to ratchet back all the previous memories and associations, which in of itself can be extremely painful. Correct. How did you do this, and who did you go to to make a, an inventory of, of past mistakes and hurts? Mm, I wrote down as much as I could think of at the time, and then later on I made another inventory um, when I could think of more things that I wanted uh, to work on. But um, I spoke with a therapist, and I explained to her about the EA program because she had not heard of it. And um, I opened up to her about how I wanted to share my inventory and work through things. It was like a burden is lifted off my shoulders. Like all the things I've been holding on to for so long. Again, easily said, but very significant. Number five, mm -hmm. what did you do for step five? Admitting to a higher power, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Yeah. 
<laughs> there was a lot of things I had on that list. I remember specifically um, in that step, uh, when you're reading in the book, it mentions shoplifting. And I remember when I was 13, I had shoplifted at Macy's. And, um, uh, yeah, and so I had to write those things down. Uh, I know one of the steps, as much as possible, is to make amends. Um, did you attempt to write yes. a letter to Macy's or anything or to say, I'm yeah. very sorry for this? Or yes. How did you do that? I actually, uh, my version of... Uh, making amends was um, buying Macy's gift cards and giving them away as gifts to many people. And um, that was my version of amends. But yeah, I did um, apologize to the owner at the time. No, I, I'm just struck with how very lovely that was that you did that. Um, okay, let's go on to uh, number six, I think we're up to. We're entirely ready to have a higher power remove all these defects of character. To allow, uh, to allow a higher power to remove all the defects of character. Mm-hmm. And that's not done overnight. <laughs> is, it, is it an ongoing process or, or is it completed? Uh, ongoing process. Um, the first time I heard this uh, step, I said, I don't have defects. I don't like thinking of myself <laughs> of having defects. <laughs> but uh, I, I learned, you know, there is definitely things I um, needed to work on, you know. Um, and so I'm, I'm still working on certain things. Um, you know, patience is one of my favorite things is to um, work on my patience. What's the next step? Seven, humbly mm. asked him to remove our shortcomings. Okay, so you're asking a higher power, or some people would say God, mm-hmm. to remove uh, the shortcomings in your life. Yes. And has the higher power or God done that for you? Um, I think with faith um, and hope um, and belief that for me, I feel like he has. He has? Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. Now, before we go on with uh, 8, 9, 10, and 11, 12... Tell me what was going on with the people around you. Did they notice a difference or did you keep this to yourself or or how did you manage this new phase of your life? Well, um, I remember in the beginning when I first was working on my recovery seriously, they um, all mentioned that I seemed to have um, more patience and more, uh, seemed more calmer and less, um, I got less upset as easily and... um, I, I didn't tell them at first what I was doing, but uh, later on I would mention that I, I was getting support um, and I was get, I was learning new techniques to deal with um, the issues I had. Okay. Now, um, through any of this experience, did you have a, a romance going on in your life at all? Or? Yes. Okay. And how did that work in conjunction with this new evolution of Jenny emerging? Yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh, it was quite a few whirlwinds. Um, there was one relationship I was in for 12 years. So they saw the before, during, and after of uh, EA. And they've said to me they're very proud of how far I've come and grown um, from what they remember. At the times I would be angry and throw things at them. I remember now that I threw a microwave at that particular person at, at, out of anger. Um, a microwave is a heavy object. Yeah. So you, you lifted up an entire microwave oven and threw it at the person. I remember, yeah, that in that I was in a relationship with, yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's go on to eight. Mm-hmm. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. The first time I did this list, I remember thinking it's pretty short because I felt everyone had harmed me. Mm. But... Um, 
over the years, I've definitely added people because I've began to realize how my behavior had affected others. It's amazing, isn't it? As the years go by, as we are more self-reflexive, we, we see things entirely different. And Correct. those that we thought had failed us in actual fact, we find that we may have failed them mm-hmm. uh, as well. Next step. Okay. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Was there an instance where to make amends would have potentially injured them or somebody else and you elected not to do it? Mm. Like to contact somebody from the past? Well, um, there was a bully in particular that I wanted to make amends to that I I did also wrong to. And I... um, I never have um, because I was afraid it would make things worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be an instance. But what I like about this one is also there are people that have passed away and it's hard to make amends to someone who's passed away. Mm-hmm. So what I ended up doing was going to the gravesite and uh, speaking from the heart and um, as if they were there. And... Uh, we use the word cathartic, uh, meaning to bear something out and, and, and find relief and make it, um, in a sense, come to fruition. Looking at a gravestone, was that helpful? Um, it was difficult um, because this was my mother in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a lot of uh, anger issues with her um, and how she had uh, abused me. But um, I felt like it was a necessary thing for me to do. I remember the first time I tried, it was a little too hard. So I, I would try again and again. So, so you'd make repeat visits? Mm-hmm. Correct. And wow. Yes. Okay. So I finally got to the place where I was happy with what I had to say and let it out. And, you know, yeah. What was the longest you would stay at the gravesite? <laughs> Maybe 30 minutes. <laughs> That's a length of time. It really is. There's a lot you can say and reflect on in, in that time. The next step. Okay. Um, what are we up to? What number? Ten. ten. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Promptly is the key word, mm-hmm. uh, because the other ones already have encouraged you to take, you know, an inventory. Inventory, but to do it promptly uh, is another factor. How does one do that? <laughs> uh, I like to review at the end of the day um, whether or not I might have hurt someone. Um, whether it was intentional or accidental. And um, if I did, I tried to either, you know, text message or whatever I can do, maybe have lunch with them and, you know, say sorry if I did do something. But I have noticed for me promptly is hard because for others they might be able to say sorry right away, but for me it's very hard to admit that I did something wrong, so it might take me a little longer than others. So pride comes into it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet it happens in all in all spheres, in all realms. Uh, um, we're a very, very happy team uh, making Watch in America, but sometimes even uh, those of us in Watch in America can have crosswords. <laughs> it's important. Um, okay, and now we're up to... Eleven. Eleven, okay. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with the higher power as we understood him. Can you repeat it a bit more slowly, please? One more time. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with a higher power as we understood him, comma, Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. That's a long one. <laughs> it is a long one. Okay. So some people might say it's, uh, for all intents and purposes, it's very close to prayer, possibly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And have you made that a regular practice in your life? And if so, how have you 
done it in your in your case because Jenny we recognize everyone would do it differently mm-hmm. um, in the beginning I would try to meditate um, and uh, later on I would use um, basically like throughout the day um, once or twice I would try to reflect and it would be as if I'm speaking, whether it was to my father who passed away or just to a higher power. And I would try to um, get in touch with that side, spiritual side. And finally, we come to the momentous 12. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, I say that recognizing that very often you can repeat the whole thing all over again. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's cyclical. It just goes mm-hmm. around and around uh, by by purpose. But number twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. What does it mean to carry this message? What does that mean to you? To me, it's to spread the word of EA, um, to find, to help others find a support group um, local to them and that where they can find hope and also learn about the 12 steps of EA and to help themselves. Well, you're certainly doing that this very moment. Is there a national number uh, at the back of the book somewhere that you could share with, with everyone? Their website is emotionsanonymous.org. Okay, so the website is Mm -hmm. emotionsanonymous.org. What is your hope for the future, Jenny? Um, Being at peace with myself um, uh, and continuing to lead a successful, happy life where I'm helping others. Has it really gotten better for you? Yes, it has. Majorly. (laughs) Majorly. Majorly. Uh, we talk about sobriety in relation to alcohol, and but they also people we've had guests on this show who have been in in uh, uh, sex addicts mm-hmm. uh, anonymous, mm-hmm. and they would talk about sobriety to you to be to to be sober. What is sobriety in your understanding as far as your emotions are concerned, Jenny? Okay, so there is a worksheet that we have in EA, and it shows the downward spiral and then the upward spiral. So the bottom is the emotional rock bottom. And what I like is that I can always see on this chart, which is on my refrigerator, uh, where I'm at at the time. So if I notice that I am starting to have more anger issues or, you know, if I'm beginning to just get go downwards, I can see that on there and I can look on the cross, right across it tells you what you can do for example go to another meeting call someone for support um and i like that i have a way to get myself right back up jenny is there anything i haven't asked you or haven't referenced that you think i should have um we have more than just the 12 steps we also in the book have um the just for today's and the slogans and i think those are very very valuable tools that you can learn more about when you buy the book or you come to a meeting now i do know uh that associated with emotions anonymous are in fact three books Mm -hmm. the first one is uh the ea book or the big blue book emotions anonymous which basically as you say explains the 12 steps Then there's the Today book with 366 meditations, and that's what you have there. And then there's an interesting book with a curious title, 
it works if you work it. Correct. Tell me about that one. <laughs> so to me, it's almost like a workbook guidebook that helps you work the steps individually in depth in a more modern way because this one was written later than the first original edition. And I like that because it shows you different ways on how to work step 10, step four, the ones that are very difficult for some people. And um, it gives you lots of other principles and in-depth a way of how to work it for yourself. Jenny, I would like to conclude by asking you, before Emotions Anonymous, what did you think of yourself? Honestly. Uh, I, I wasn't sure. I felt lost. I felt like I didn't know how I was going to how my future was going to be. I didn't know what was going to happen with me in every aspect, whether it was home life, career life, everything, because I was alone and, uh, you know, without a family at the time. And I, I was in a relationship, but I didn't have anyone, and I felt very alone. And EA has become like a family to me. And now after Emotions Anonymous, what do you think about yourself? I feel like um, the, everything's... Um, there's a world of possibilities. There's unlimited possibilities and opportunities. And I look forward to my future, which is, is really nice. Um, you know, being able to wake up and just get out of bed and say, you know what, I have all these future goals and plans. And uh, I'm, I'm glad I have EA to lean on if I do feel differently. <laughs> I'm a very blessed man in this job because I get to work with lovely and wonderful people. And I also get to meet lovely and wonderful people. Thank you so very much. Thank you very much. God bless.